today, this week, it's Love Lifted Followers. So uh, that's going to be the title of the message today. So we talked about last week that we all have spiritual gifts. Uh, and hopefully, you know, everybody in here is born again, and congratulations, you got some gifts, and you didn't, maybe some of you didn't know that. Uh, but these gifts are given by God's grace, and that alone, uh, there's, uh, just like salvation, they're, they're, they're freely given by His grace. Uh, and we learned also that you may have thought, well, maybe I only have one of those, or maybe I only have two of those, or maybe... Um, you may have thought you had three, but there were actually seven gifts that we talked about last week that we all have uh, and that are all kind of part of our makeup, our, our spiritual genetic makeup, if you will, to help us do the ministry. Uh, and so we learned last week how to maybe take those things and apply them uh, when we're doing ministry. And what we saw is that we have to let those things happen. It's kind of funny you know, again, I said there's nothing new under the sun. Everything goes back to submission, it seems like. If you go back to Genesis, uh, if you go back to uh, the fall in chapter 3, there was always about who was going to be on the throne, who was going to be in authority. Uh, and, you know, Satan asked a question, Yea, hath God said. And right then there was that doubt that was placed in Eve's heart, and there was that doubt that was placed in uh, Adam because it says that he was there. Uh, you know, us men like to leave that part out, uh, you know, so uh, it says Adam with her. But, um, you know, right then there was doubt placed of who was in authority. Was it going to be God or was it going to be man? Uh, we know how that turned out. And everything that we do is in our Christian walk boils down to submission. Um, are we willing to submit or are we going to get off the throne and let God be, be on the throne and be the king of our life? Or are we going to do that? So that really, today, we're going to see the results of that submission. So I want us to read out of Romans chapter 12. We're going to read 9 through 13. Uh, and then we will pray and get started. So it says, let love, again, there's that word, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. Uh, we just pray that you would just bless the reading of your word. We pray uh, that your word has free course today. Uh, it's not about me having free course. It's not about my thoughts. It's not about... Uh, the intents of my heart, dear God. It's all about uh, you and your word and it going forth the way that you see fit. I pray that you would just get me out of the way. I pray that as your word has free course today, I pray uh, that as it falls on the ears of our readers or of our hearers today, I pray that uh, the, the answer is yes, that the, there's that automatic submission that we're supposed to have if we have uh, the gift of, if we have the spiritual gifts and we have your spirit within us, dear God. I pray that as we hear it, uh, just let it be just, a, just an act of obedience and a spirit of obedience and not disobedience as we hear what you would have to say to us today. We love you. Uh, we pray that you just take this time and use it for your glory. And all these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so uh, if you notice, again, I put emphasis on the first word of that. It's a, it says let love. So obviously, you ha when you let something happen, that means you're submitting. That means that you, your will is gone. 
You're not your own, and we'll, have, we'll talk about that in just a minute. And you were let something happen. So we're going to let love be without dissimulation. Uh, and so the first thing we want to define is what love is, very quickly. Uh, and you may not, you have the verses, I believe, Genesis 22, two, two. This is the first mention of this word. Uh, we always go to Genesis 22, 3 when we talk about the first mention of worship, right? Um, but love, love or lovest, this is the first mention here. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So what we see, not we, we throw that word around worship and sacrifice. We always teach that, but love is actually sacrifice as well. Love is a sacrificial, a sacrificial love, and it was given by God. Uh, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have ever, everlasting life. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love hath no man than this, uh, and that, uh, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love toward us. How did he show us that love? Um, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There was nothing worthy about us. Uh, no offense to anybody here. There's nothing worthy about you. There's nothing worthy about me. Um, but God, in his love, he first loved us, and he gave his son to die on the cross for us. Um, and so these four examples, these four verses, show us exactly what God defines as love, as sacrifice. That's what it is. Uh, for you husbands out there, if you look at Ephesians 5, it says, For you to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Right? So that's what love is. Um, I think there's a song about that. So, um, But this next thing it talks about, it says, let love be without dissimulation. I had to ask my wife what this word means. Uh, so, you know, uh, so she, she, she helped me with this. Um, and so I, I don't think I gave you the first point. It's unfeigned love. Excuse me. I, I jumped ahead. So uh, unfeigned goes in your blank. I'll, she also tells me I make, need to make sure we all get blanks. So. Uh, unfeigned love goes in your blank there, so thank you, Derek. So dissimulation, uh, that's, this is a big word. It's, it's a concealment of one's thoughts, feelings, or character, pretense, and then there's a colon, and it says faking your true feelings. So what the author is trying to tell us in Romans is don't let your love be fake. So, you know, we have a term uh, for that that we're going to get to in just a minute. But there's verses that we look at when you, this unfeigned means to be real, true, genuine. Second Corinthians 6, 6 says, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love, unfeigned. Uh, faith can be unfeigned too. First Timothy 1, 5, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. First Peter talks about this. It says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, uh, through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. And so we'll, you think about fervently, and we'll have this again in just a minute as well. Fervently means that uh, you're passionate about it. Uh, you're diligent about it. Uh, and so the opposite of unfeigned would obviously be feigned, right? Uh, the opposite of dissimulation uh, is what we're talking about here, or the, the kind of the synonym of it. And it's a word that we like to throw around in Christianese. Come on, we all want to say it. They're a bunch of hypocrites. I knew you knew that. So 
You know, so Jesus had a lot to say about this. Uh, Matthew six sixteen. Moreover, when you when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they had their reward. Matthew twenty three twenty seven. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. And so, what we're talking about here is we, if we have the Spirit of God within us, if He has shed His love for us, we shouldn't have any problem loving our brother and sister in Christ. We shouldn't have any problem coming in here within these four walls and loving each other, because that's how we prove uh, that God loves us. Uh, that's how we prove that to the outside world. You ever wonder why we haven't made any, any great strides and there hasn't been a great revival in the world today? Uh, well, it's because they don't see a lot of love inside these four walls. And what I'm talking I'm not talking about, I'm talking about in four walls of church. Uh, in the church that we have, um, you know, collectively in Laodicea, the, the age that we live in, there's just not a lot of love. There's a lot of backbiting, there's a lot of uh, name calling, there's a lot of um, frustration, division, schisms. Um, so why would they want to come to a church when they can just be that way at home? Just saying. We have to make them see something different in us. Uh, Paul had a lot to say about that to the church at Corinth. Uh, that was the whole purpose. They, they had lots of spiritual gifts, they had lots of ability. They had everything. They had lots of an abundance of, of uh, resources, but yet they were schisms and divisions, backbiting, murmuring, all these things. Uh, so we have to be careful of that. We have to let our love be true and genuine. The next thing we want to look at is that you you abhor that which is evil, and this is all a continuing statement. So. How do you let your love be without dissimulation? Well, you abhor that which is evil. Leviticus 26.30, And I will destroy your high places and cut down your images and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. So what we're talking about here is another word for that is hate. Another word is that is disgust. Another word for that is uh, just absolute detestation, or you did really detest something. This is God speaking. This is God speaking about to His people uh, because of their um, their um, really their walk with Him or lack thereof. Uh, Psalm ninety-seven ten: Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of His saints. He delivereth delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Uh, Psalm thirty-four, fourteen: Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Uh, Psalm forty-four, five, seven: Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wicked, hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Um, part of the problem that we have in Laodicea is number one: we never get to a place of spiritual maturity because we never develop the same attitude about sin that God has. We don't. We don't ever develop that hate. We don't ever develop that just disgust with it. Uh, we, we can be saved as the day is long, but we've got our, our closet sins just over there when we pull them out when we need them or when we think we need them. Um, and the fact is, most of us, and I'm preaching to myself, we just love our sin too much. You know, we do. Uh, if, if we didn't, 
then a lot of the culture that we see and a lot of the things that we're seeing today, man, we'd turn the TV off. We wouldn't, you know, throw our money at it because we would hate it just the way God hates it. Just saying. Uh, Psalm 74, 58 and 59, for they've provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. When God heard this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel. And Israel was the apple of God's eye, it still is. But he wasn't going to be part of their sin. And guess what? He's not going to be part of yours and mine either. He's not. We can't expect to live like we want to Monday through Saturday and then come in here and say, praise the Lord. We can't. Every day it has to be the same thing. And how do we do that? Well, it says that we cleave to what is good. And you can obviously cleave can be two different things. You can cleave or you can cleave. You know, well, we're talking about the grabbing and the holding fast to the cleaving. Genesis 2, 24. Uh, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Mark 10, 7. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Um, Deuteronomy 10, 20. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. Him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. Uh, so, you know, God in, in his intense per, or in his in divine intended purposes of marriage, that was supposed to be a good thing. The wife was supposed to be a suitable helpmeet, a perfect spouse, a perfect mate for the husband. And it was supposed to be a good thing. Uh, a man cleaving to his wife is supposed to be a good thing. God defines it that way. Um, you know, we, in, again, in our culture have uh, redefined it, uh, where our divorce rates are 50%. Uh, the other 50% are miserable, uh, and, you know, and we wonder why our culture is the way it is, uh, because we don't do marriage the way God intended. Uh, and this is not a marriage lesson, but hey, it's in here. So, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Uh, you know, it talks about in Philippians that we should think on the, we should, there's a list of pure things that we need to think on uh, and not think on the evil things and not think on the bad things. Uh, you know, all the things that we spend so much time pursuing, uh, we have to really throw those out and, lay, and just leave them. Acts 11, 22, 23. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which is in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart, that they would cling unto the Lord. Uh, so your first key. You're th- y'all were thinking, thank God, he finally got to a key. So your first key. Uh, whatever we are pursuing in life shows the Lord and the world how much we really love him. Whatever we are pursuing, let me read that again, in life shows the Lord and the world how much we really love him. So the things that you, uh, the t- you spend your time doing, uh, the things that you go after and pursue, that shows the Lord what you're, what you, how you feel about him. And it also shows the outside world the things that you care about. Uh, you know, the things that come out of our mouth, if it's everything but, thus saith the Lord. Uh, if the words that come out of our mouth on our job and out in the real world sound like everything but Jesus Christ, then they probably don't think you love Jesus very much. They probably don't think I love Jesus very much. 
Uh, we have to be, those are the things that we need to say, the words of life. Uh, so, you know, the fact is, are we cleaving to the Lord or are we cleaving to the things of the world? The reality, reality is you can't hold both in your hands. Uh, you know, you can't hold on to both. Second uh, Timothy 4.10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. So my question is, number one, would God say that you have forsaken him? Number two, would your brethren, your brothers and sisters in Christ in this church, say that you've forsaken them? Or are we cleaving to the good things that are good? Just a thought. Verse 10. Uh, so verse 10 says, uh, your ti- next, uh, all these are with the U today. I tried to break it up and get, get to the further in the alphabet today. So unassuming affection is your next, next, your blank, next blank. So it says in verse 10 that uh, we should be ki- kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Uh, so what we're talking about is an unassuming af- affection. Uh, it's talking about an inward affection, something that manifests itself and comes out naturally. Second uh, Corinthians seven fifteen, when Paul was talking about Titus and the fact that he was going to send him to the church at Corinth, he says his inward affection is more abundant towards you, whilst he remembereth the obo- obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. So I wonder if we had uh, if. You know, we were able to see with a little uh, x-ray, if you will. Uh, But the x-ray showed how much we really loved each other. How much we really cared about each other. How much we really loved the Lord. Or would we see nothing when we when we ran that scope or that uh, the transducer over? What would what would we really see? So this is an affection that starts from the inside and manifests itself by our actions toward others, particularly our brothers and sisters in Christ. It says that we are be kindly affectioned with brotherly love. Uh, John thirteen thirty four and thirty five. A new commandment I give unto you. That ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this, that ye love one another, shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. So the, the world has to see that we love each other. Otherwise, they're just going to sit at home. And you can preach to them all day long. Uh, you can, you know, you can witness to them. And hopefully, you know, that's gonna, we were supposed to do that and we're supposed to evangelize. But if they see one thing coming out of your mouth, and then the next thing that they see you doing when, when nobody's looking is something completely different, they're probably going to think you're full of it. Probably, you know. um, so 1 Thessalonians 4.19, But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Hebrews 13.1, Hebrews 13, Let... Brotherly love continue. Again, we have to let it. First Peter 3, 8. Finally, be ye all one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Uh, and so your next key, the amount of love you express to others is directly proportional to how much you love the Lord. So not only what you pursue uh, in your activities and the things that you spend your time on, the amount of love that people actually see you expressing to others shows, shows them exactly how much you love the Lord. And it shows the Lord how much you love him too. It does. Um, you know, 
some of us today and, you know, really in the society that we live in, you may think that, you know, God's not keeping score anymore. Trust me, he is. He's, he's, he's taking account and he's, he's keeping a scorebook for those of you that have maybe kept scorebooks during uh, baseball or softball or something like that. He's counting every inning. He's counting every pitch. He's counting every error. He's counting every minute of every game. Uh, and, and he's, one day, we're going to stand before him and give an account, and I believe it's very soon. Uh, nextly, uh, the next thing you want to look at is in honor, preferring one another. First Peter 2.17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Uh, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Uh, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Uh, are you your brother's keeper? You bet you are. You bet you are. Are you your sister's keeper? You bet you are. Uh, are we to bear one another's burdens like it talks about in Galatians? You bet you, you, you are. Yes, you are. You, and I could say that, but uh, we are called to love one another. We are to esteem others better than themselves. Uh, if we see one of our brothers or sisters struggling... We're supposed to get in there and help them. Do whatever we can. Because uh, that's what Christ did for us. Verse 11. Uh, so it says that uh, we're really going to start. If you didn't think I was meddling now, we're really going to get meddling right here. So the first 11, it says uh, that we're supposed to have an unadulterated adulterated spirit. Unadulterated spirit. I really struggled with the, the, the thesaurus, you know, trying to get all these words. So, uh, so it says that we are to be not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Uh, so this is a twofold application. It's not only the business that you may have on your nine-to-five job, but it's also the business of winning souls. It's also the business of serving the Lord. Uh, and that's kind of what we're talking about. So Proverbs 6.6, 6, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Uh, Proverbs 13.4, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Um, Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. So the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, had done everything, had seen everything. He had participated in everything. Um, and, you know, he talks about all the things, there, everything is vanity. Everything that we do is going to pass away, and it will pass away. Uh, but again, God's keeping an account. Everything that you do here matters in eternity. Every day matters, every second matters, every minute matters in eternity. Um, and because guess what? If you die here in just a minute or if I drop here in just a minute, I'm done. There's no second chances. You're not going to stand before the Lord and say, hey, could I have one more day? Could I have just a little bit more time? Uh, you know, if he comes to get us, we're done. Then, right then. And there's not going to be any second chances at that point. Uh, and we're going to look back at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, and we're going to see all the missed opportunities. We're going to see everything that we could have done, you know, and we're going to be ashamed. Uh, but we don't have to stand ashamed. 
Uh, we don't have to stand ashamed if we will take every advantage that he's given us and every opportunity uh, to not be slothful. Colossians three twenty two and 23, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Uh, and so, you know, whether you're on your job or whether you're here, you're working for the Lord. Uh, when you clock in tomorrow, uh, when you go wherever you go, your boss is not your boss. You know, your boss is Jesus Christ. Your boss is God. Uh, that's how we need to have the attitude about what we do. Guess what? When you're here, particularly here, you're working for the Lord. And we ought to conduct ourselves as, as such. Uh, and so, you know, 1 Timothy 5.8 says this, But if any provide not for his own, especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 and 12, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Why? For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, walking, working not at all, but are busybodies. Every now and then, you know, the King James and the Old English, it, it, busybodies still means busybodies. You know, even our culture today, which I love. Uh, now, them that are, now them that are such, we command and exhort by our own Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Uh, so, I think Paul's, they were pretty clear. Jesus of God was pretty clear. Uh, you shouldn't be just idling around doing nothing. I mean, find something to do. My dad used to tell me that all the time, you know, especially during the summer, you know, because the only thing when you weren't going to school, the only thing you had to get up was for baseball practice or if you had a baseball game later that afternoon. And so, you know, we didn't sleep till 11, 12 o'clock. And my dad would just be, you know, he would call me, he'd call my mom and say, what are, what are they doing? They're asleep, you know. Uh, he couldn't stand that. He would just say, find something to do, you know. Um, and really, you apply that to this church, find something to do. Go grab somebody and say, what can I do? Uh, you know, frankly, and this is me included or anybody else, if we're working and doing the things we're supposed to do, you're probably not going to have time to be a busybody. You're probably not going to have time to be meddling. You're probably not going to have time to be uh, talking about people because you're going to be worn out. You know, <laughs> you're not going to have the energy to, 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 to devote to that. Uh, and guess what? You know, when you lay your head down at night, and you get that good sleep because your conscience is clear. Because you've done exactly everything that the Lord called you to do for that day. And guess what? The next day you do the same thing. You know? You're not tossing and turning. You're tired and you go to sleep. You wake up and do it again. You know, that's what we have to do. Uh, if we will just worry about ourselves, you know, uh, work quietly and eat your own bread. You know, I think that's, I mean, we need to... Uh, Quote or like, you know, trademark that saying. So uh, next is a fervent in spirit. Uh, and when it, this was kind of when I looked at this, obviously we had the, the verse earlier. Uh, there was a man that was fervent in spirit in Acts uh, chapter 18. It says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And so we know the rest of this story. Priscilla and Aquila, they hear him preach. They hear that he loves God. They hear that he, you know, he's 
you know, really fervent in the spirit, but he's got his doctrine messed up. Uh, you know, he's only speaking of the baptism of John. He doesn't know about the remission of sins yet. Uh, he doesn't, he's not preaching Christ crucified. And so they pull him to the side uh, and they say, hey, man, we hear that you love God. We hear that. We know that. Let me instruct you. Let me bring you over here and instruct you. Uh, instead of browbeating him and telling him, hey, man, why don't you shut up? Because uh, you're, te- you're teaching the wrong thing. Uh, you know, they brought him to the side, instructed him uh, in the way of the Lord. Um, and so when we see our brothers and sisters in Christ that are fervent in the spirit, we shouldn't be so quick to criticize. Um, you know, we shouldn't be, the first thing that we want to do is shut them up. Now, if they're teaching false doctrine, that's one thing. Uh, But when we see that somebody's fervent in the Spirit and they're just teaching something that uh, is not the complete true doctrine, then we need to help them because they're brothers and sisters in Christ just like you are. Uh, God died for them just like he died for you. He did. He shed out his precious blood for everyone that has accepted his name. And he shed it out for the whole world. Uh, and we ought to be, we ought to think that, we ought to have that mindset. Uh, next thing we want to see is serving the Lord. So we're not slothful, we're fervent, and then we're serving the Lord. And what's interesting is when you look at this, Paul, James, Peter, and Jude all refer to themselves as servants of the Lord. If you look at this list in Romans 1, Philippians 1, Titus 1, James 1, 2 Peter 1, 1, and Jude 1, 1, they all refer to themselves as a servant. Uh, all these guys were they were the men, you know, if you would think about how we think of, you know, how we thought of Mark Trotter, you think about Sam Miles, some of these guys that we really look up to, uh, you know, those were the men, Titus, James, Peter, Paul, all these guys, but they were servants. That's how they looked at themselves. They didn't think of themselves as anything. Romans six twenty two. but now being made free from sin and becoming servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. 1 Corinthians seven twenty two. for he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. And we all like that, right, because we're free. Then it says, like always, likewise, also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Uh, so your next key, not only are we to serve the Lord, we should do it with a grateful heart. It's all about your attitude. It's all about your heart attitude. Uh, and, you know, again, this stuff gets hard. Uh, if you're up here every day or you're up here, uh, particularly some of these guys uh, that have been renovating the chapel, they're up here every day knocking it out, and it looks awesome over there. Uh, and, you know, they're not expecting any recognition, and they're just working in here and doing a good job. Um, but because they're working gratefully, they're thankful to do it. They want to do it. You know, if somebody asks you to do something in church, uh, in this church particularly, I guess, I guess I'll do it. I guess that's what the Lord wants me to do. I can make that face because I've had that attitude before, and you have too. Um, you know, it's kind of like when you're, when you get asked at home, hey, can you help clean? You know, can you, you know, why have you not taken the garbage out? Can you just do that? I guess. I worked the whole job. You know, I was, I worked, you know, eight hours today, and I come home, and then you expect me to do something. You know. (laughs) 
Guess what? We tell God the same thing. Don't we? Don't we? Man, I, do you not know I worked eight hours today? He knows. And, you know, I'm gonna, something we've kind of joked around for years, we got the same 24 hours that Paul had. We got the same 24 hours that Peter had. We got the same 24 hours. 24 hours is 24 hours. Jewish time or English time. No, it's 24 hours. And so, you know, serve the Lord with gladness. Psalm, 1, Psalm 102 says this, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Uh, we ought to be thankful, guys, and we ought to be glad to come in here uh, and sing. We ought to be glad to come in here and work in the chapel. We ought to be glad to come in here and fix coffee. We ought to be glad to help and do whatever God wants you to do. Because guess what? You're bought with a price. Just like we learned two weeks ago, we are bought with a price. Our bodies are the Lord's. He paid for us on Calvary by bleeding out the very blood of God. The most valuable substance that, that ever was. He bled it out for you, and he bled it out for me. Why does it seem so unreasonable to us that we should live our lives for him? Why is that such a sacrifice? Why is that so hard? And I'm preaching to myself. Why? We learned two weeks ago that it's just reasonable. It's just reasonable. Just like it's reasonable to take out the trash, too, at home. And it's reasonable to help your wife, too. And it's reasonable to do whatever you get asked to do here. It's just reasonable. You're welcome, baby. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> verse 12. So the next thing is unwavering hope, and I will do better, I promise. So, uh, unwavering hope. Uh, verse 12 says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Uh, so, again, the attitude that we're supposed to have once we get all these other things in line Man, we ought to be rejoicing. We ought to be rejoicing in that hope. Titus talks about that we should be looking for that blessed hope. Uh, you know, there's nothing here in this world that's going to be better than anything in eternity. I can promise you. We ought to be looking for it. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Uh, Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, uh, the hope of glory. The fact that Jesus Christ would shrink himself down and occupy your sinful body of flesh, you ought to rejoice in that. You ought to rejoice in the fact that you're going to get a glorified body one day. You ought to rejoice in the fact that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. And you should have that attitude. We shouldn't be miserable coming in here every Sunday, guys. We shouldn't be miserable. And I'm preaching to myself. We shouldn't be miserable on our jobs because there's something better. If we ought to have that attitude. That's good preaching. I don't care if I'm doing it or not. So, <laughs> so and we ought to be patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation. Romans 5, 3, and 4, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patient experience, and experience hope. James 1 and 4, But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You know, these verses reiterate the fact, uh, don't ever pray for patience. Uh, you know, uh, because guess what? With patience comes tribulation. With patience comes trials. Uh, that's the only way you can get patience. 
Uh, you know, I can th- remember, I guess, yeah, the boys turned five uh, this week. And uh, I can remember thinking, you know, when we talked about having another child, how much more patience that we would need. And I remember asking God to help us, you know. <laughs> well, you know, when we go to do the sonogram, there's two. <laughs> so there's one for my wife and one for me. She didn't know I prayed that. Um, so you're welcome. So, but the patience that we learned then and the patience we're still learning. And, you know, it worketh. It has a perfect work. And I don't know why. I just know I have two precious boys. And every day gives me, if I can just get through the next day, and be as, as good with them and a good father. And it has its perfect work. And then I go to the next day. And, that, and the way that you do that is the next point. That you continuing instant in prayer. You better be praying. You know, especially come to my house, you better pray. So, uh, Colossians 4.2 says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Uh, once, when I started studying this out and looking at this, uh, one of the verses that came up was 1 Samuel twelve twenty three. It says, Moreover, as for me, and this is Samuel speaking about the nation of Israel, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. So, you know, we're all called to be, we're all ch- ch- discipling somebody, uh, whether we know it or not. Uh, your life is speaking volumes to people. In this church and and on and outside these four walls as well, uh, and if any if you are shepherding anybody, uh, you better be praying for them. Uh, it says that in that process, uh, you know it's fine to meet with them every week and teach them stuff, you know because they need that, but they need your prayers. Uh, the people in this church need your prayers. Your pastor needs your prayers. I need your prayers. Uh, the men and the leaders of this church, uh, the women of this church, the teachers, uh, we all need each other's prayers, and we should be praying an instant in it. Uh, because it, this says it's a sin not to do that. Uh, and so we have to be praying for each other. First Thessalonians 5, 17 is pray without ceasing. There's your memory verse for this week. So, uh, yeah, that, so we really... and I'm, Hold on, i got to pray and kneel down. That's not just, it's just that mindset of praying. It's, to, it's that mindset of you know, it's having people on your mind and praying for them. So lastly, verse 13. Uh, unbridled charity uh, goes, unbridled goes in your blank. That was all the U words I knew, so there you go. So the verse says this. Uh, it says that we are to be distributing uh, to the saints. Uh, actually, let's, uh, did we get that verse up there, Derek? Let me turn back to that real quick. It's uh, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. And so first we want to talk about the distributing to the saints. Second uh, Corinthians 9 says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Again, it's about that attitude. You know, every Sunday or if we go online to do our giving, just take it, Lord. You know. 
here. Here's your tithe, you know. You know, here, missionary, you know. Uh, man, we should, we, should love, we should be cheerful in what we do. Uh, we should be, you know, it's his anyway. It really is. It's all his. Uh, so you're just giving it back to him, you know, and you're a steward of the, the resources that he's given you. And so when you give to a missionary, when you give your tithe, when you give above and beyond, when you help out people through benevolence and things like that, uh, you should be thankful you get the opportunity to do that. Uh, if God has given you, you know, uh, these, all the, you know, these extra resources, uh, and there seems to be a lot of those floating around right now, uh, make sure that you use those wisely. Make sure that you use those in a way that would be pleasing to him. Uh, you know, I, I think I saw on one of the radio shows somebody called in and asked, well, should I accept, you know, the stimulus check or should I accept this extra money? Well, sure you do, should. You work for it. But once you get it, take it and, and use it for God's glory and for his use. Um, you know, they've been taxing you on it your whole life. So take it and, and just use it the way he would see fit. Second Corinthians 8, I want you to turn your Bible uh, real quickly. We're going to look at Second Corinthians chapter 8. Some of you are like, a Bible? You know, what's... I always, and, and I do it too, because I, I use computer to study. I use a phone now to read. Uh, and, you know, when, to get this thing out and, you know, start hearing the pages turn, it's pretty cool. Uh, Moreover, brethren, verse 1, we're going to read uh, verse 1 through 14. We do have, we got a few minutes. Moreover, brethren, we do you, you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on, on the churches of Macedonia. And so there was a need there at the church, uh, the churches they were talking about, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. So these churches didn't have much. They had a lot less to the church that he's writing to at the church at Corinth, but they gave it above and beyond. Uh, it says, praying with us with much entreaty that we, should, we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence and your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Uh, so, you know, where you send your money speaks volumes, too. Uh, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Uh, so there was something they were supposed to give to a year ago. They have the funds, and they're just sitting around with it. He's having to tell them, it's again, it's this church at Corinth. Uh, and here, and I give my advice to you, uh, verse 11, Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there be first a willing mind, is accepted according that a man hath, and not according that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased, and you burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a, a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Uh, so again, as God has blessed you with resources, don't hoard those. You know, don't hoard them. 
Uh, don't, you know, build bigger barns. Uh, distribute to the saints as necessary. Uh, because it's God's anyway. It really is. Uh, and we also, lastly, should be given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. So, you know, I, I'm bearing my... I'm, being transparent with you today so you know I must admit this is a personal struggle for me you know I'm, I'm one of those antisocial people anyway I would just soon you know go get somewhere and it'd be quiet um, and it's just me okay well all right fine so uh, seriously as within our bo- this body of believers that we have uh, there should be a desire to be around your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, there should be a desire uh, you know, if we have things that we need to do, or we do as far as, you know, men's breakfasts or uh, ladies, you know, the things that they do as far as breakfast and things like that, where they're getting together to minister to people, we ought to want to do those things. We ought to want to be around the brothers and sisters that we have here in this church. Uh, you know, if we have the attitude, oh, they're wanting to get together again, you know, oh, they're wanting to do this, oh, I got to go to the church, or oh, I got to go that, that's the wrong attitude. Uh, you know, first of all, you know, you can't minister to the body if you have no clue what's going on in their life. You know, and especially now that we're all, you know, with COVID and we're, not everybody's here. Some are watching online. Uh, reach out to those people that are watching online. Check on them. Reach out to the people that are in this building right now. Uh, you know, a lot of times, and I'll ask my wife, I'll say, well, when did that happen? You know, when did this happen? Uh, it's because I'm not keeping up with that, all the people in this church. Uh, we have to be kind of uh, mindful of whatever's going on, and we have to reach out. You know, a lot of times we don't know because guess what? We don't ask. Uh, we don't ask. We don't check. Uh, and, you know, when things happen and life happens, and, you know, we can, people can fall through the cracks. We need every member. We need every body part. Uh, even the parts that are uncomely, like me. We need everybody uh, to do the ministry. Hebrews 13.2 says, Be not forget, forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertain, entertained angels unaware. Uh, when it talks about the bishop, uh, the offices of a bishop, it talks about this hospitality. It says, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. And it's interesting that the way it's worded, uh, you know, you should be hospitable before you start teaching. Uh, you, you know, there's, there should be a progression there. Titus 1.8, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, and temperate. When we get Jesus's, you know, when we get his nature, when we get his spirit, we shouldn't want to be around uh, people that are living in sin. You know, there's things that, you know, we all have to kind of break relationships. We have to, there's people that uh, maybe are doing things that we, we know is wrong, and we've talked to them about it. Well, guess what? You don't hang around them anymore. You have to distance and separate yourself from those people, uh, and that's scriptural. If there's things going on in this church that people are doing things that shouldn't be going on, guess what? They need to be out of this church till they get right with the Lord. Uh, it talks about that, and that's why Corinthians was written in the first place. Um, we have to be a lover of good men and women. My dad used to tell me that all the time. You are who you hang around with. 
You are. Uh, I tell my son that a lot. You know, when he's talking about some of his friends at school, I'll ask him about them. Uh, and, you know, do they go to church? Do they talk about God? Do they talk about these things? Um, because those are the type of people that you want to hang around with. Uh, those are the type of people, if I had done that growing up in high school, I would have stayed out of a lot of trouble that I got into. Uh, we should be a lover of good men and women. Uh, we should always want to hang around the brethren. And lastly, 1 Peter 4, 9 says, Use hospitality one to another, and here's that word again, without grudging. Uh, if we love the Lord and we love his people, uh, then it should, be just, it should just flow out of us naturally. It should. Uh, if, and if it doesn't, then we, there's some, we probably need to check up. Well, Leslie, if you'll come. Uh, so just quickly, just some, in closing, just some thoughts. You know, we talked about the love of God and how we express that to others. Firstly, I would ask this question. You know, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? You know, maybe you can't show that love to others because you've never accepted Christ's payment for your sin. And that's a very simple thing. It's just simply admitting and believing and confessing that he is Lord. Um, next, you know, if we are saved today, you know, has our love for others waxed cold? Are we playing church? But in, inwardly, we've let sin and rebellion creep in. You know, you know perhaps you know, we find ourselves sitting in that seat of the scornful that it talks about in Psalms 1. Uh, you know, and that progression starts uh, from here to sitting and scorning. Uh, we have to, if you know, perhaps we need to examine ourselves if we have that attitude. Uh, you know, if we find ourselves finding fault with our brethren every Sunday and every day, that's wrong. It is. And we need to make it right. Next, are we serving the Lord or do we find ourselves on the sidelines? You know, are we letting others do all the work? Uh, some of that work being the load that we are supposed to carry. We all have something that we can do. We're all different members, and we all have different um, talents and abilities, but we all have, we learned last week we've got the same gifts. And, you know, we shouldn't have the attitude that, well, that's just not my giftedness, or that's just not what I do. It is what you do. It's what we all should do. Uh, we're all in this together. Uh, lastly, are we giving to our local body, not just our money, which is the Lord's, are we given our time and talent as well as treasure to help our brethren that we may that may be in need? Are we working to build those relationships to even find out what those needs are? I'd ask you to consider these things while we pray.